Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast. We are bringing the power of prevention to you. And I'm always excited to have with me my co-host, Amber Brown. Amber, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for our interview today. We are interviewing Kyle Malam, the COO of Fit for Work. But Curtis, why in the world did you want to interview Kyle? Well, two reasons. One, he's my boss's boss. And other, most importantly, he has had an amazing journey ever since he's been a part of the injury prevention model. So going back, uh, he's got a lot of great experience that a lot of people don't realize. And I think that more people need to appreciate where he's coming from and the insights that he can give us. So the first and foremost, what people really need to understand about him is that he started out as an injury prevention specialist. And just like us. Just like us, exactly. So <laughs> he's not like he's just coming to this role and doesn't know where we're coming from. He's got great hands-on experience. He became the director of operations back when we started out as a Groves Work Ready, when we were a franchisee up here in the Northwest in Minnesota. And he went from being director of operations to then the vice president of operations when Groves Work Ready and Fit for Work merged. And now as the chief operating officer, he just is able to get this amazing overview and bird's eye view of the entire operation that is so unique. And I think we both as uh, providers can learn from and appreciate more, as well as our clients will be able to appreciate more where we're coming from and just a lot of great experience. So Kyle got his doctorate of physical therapy from the University of North Dakota School of Medicine and Health Sciences. As a physical therapist, you know, you kind of already explained that he was an on-site provider and everything. What does his interview bring to on-site injury prevention? I think his insights are so great because for him, he's able to give this appreciation of a focus that I think we all need. Sometimes whether you're new with Fit for Work or been here a while, we tend to maybe get in a rut of our vision as to like what, well, we can get stuck in this cycle of, well, I'm hitting my numbers and things are kind of fine the way they are. But I really like and appreciate in this interview is the insights he gives us helps us to use numbers and put them in the proper perspective to help guide us. And so I'm not, I don't want to take away from his insights and steal them before he says them, <laughs> but I really appreciate the way he helps to have us be in the right mindset when we are dealing and working with, because it's not just working with people. People are obviously the the focus and they're the centerpiece, but how we can use these tools and these metrics or numbers that as we help these people, we can be even more effective. So we're not just blindly helping them, but we have a purpose and we have a mission and we're, and we're doing it because we understand their success behind it. And that's what's so powerful about his message is that when you combine your love of people and guidance of numbers, you start to see change. Awesome. Well, you intrigued me. I guess I'll listen to the interview with Kyle. <laughs> I hope so. So everybody, without further ado, here is our interview with Kyle Nellum, the COO of Fit for Work. So today we have with us the Chief Operating Officer, Kyle Malum from Fit for Work. Thank you so much for being with us today, Kyle. Good morning. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion today. It should be a lot of fun. And as always, I have with me my co-host, Amber Brown. How are you this morning? 
I'm doing well as well. Thanks uh, for having me. <laughs> anytime. Anytime but Tuesday. Oh, darn it is. Yeah. All right. So, Kyle, we're going to start off with the burning question because we sent out a survey to ask what people wanted to ask you. And so I want to ask you the most popular question we received from you. So this is very important. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite ice cream and why? <laughs> Ooh, favorite ice cream. See, I'm not a big sweet guy. Oh, geez. But when it comes to ice cream, I am pretty generic. Just give me a good vanilla ice cream. Oh my gosh. That's all I need. No toppings. It has to be a good high quality one. That's all I need. Not a lot, just some of that. That's okay. In a cup or a cone? Oh, cup for sure. Oh my gosh. Really plain. Totally plain. Yeah, totally plain. <laughs> it throws my kids for a loop. They can't believe it. They want chocolate and sprinkles and every kind of topping you possibly could have. But no, just give me a good vanilla. All right. Well, that's all we need. wanted to spend time with you. So thanks for joining us. <laughs> okay. So we want to start off also by asking you, what is your role with Fit for Work and how did you come about your current role? How would you describe it to somebody who's a brand new hire and they just heard about Kyle Malum? So I'm the COO of Fit for Work and kind of do a lot of the behind the scenes as far as the day-to-day operations of the organization. My direct team is really leading all the great stuff that we do for preventing injuries out with all of our clients in every industry. So I'm really behind the scenes, helping with our strategic direction, helping with our program development, and just providing as much support as I possibly can for others so they can be successful and have what they need and be able to meet the needs of our clients and obviously the employees that work for them. So that's my role currently. I got into this role. I'm a physical therapist by trade. I came out of school and worked in a typical outpatient orthopedic clinic, loved it, did a lot of good things there. And I wanted to continue on with kind of my professional journey, I guess, and look at additional certifications, additional postdoctoral type of fellowship, and just trying to be the best I can be and kind of really being on a learning uh, journey, I guess. And Through that, I actually found out about the preventative model and working on site with clients. And it really was an eye-opener to me about, wow, I can make an even bigger difference here instead of waiting for the walking wounded to be coming into the clinic or working with a patient and going, man, if I could have just seen them a few months ago, or if I could provide them just a little bit of some right information at the right time, they wouldn't be here today. And that was the eye-opening really for me knowing how early on in the process, you know, a musculoskeletal expert or someone who has a passion to help someone can really make a difference. And the unique opportunity we have in this environment, the industrial setting was really appealing. So that's why I made the jump and went from the typical path of a a PT and doing some really great things. I got my OCS, was in a fellowship program and jumped to the proactive preventative model. And that's what got me to where I am today is that journey. And it's been a fun journey so far. And I've really enjoyed not only the people I work with, but obviously just making a difference and preventing as many injuries as possible, either directly myself when I was on site and working or with the team uh, that I work with now that is out there doing all the great things they're doing in the field. Nice. And so how did you get associated with Fit for Work or Grows Work Ready at the time? when you first started off, what was the connection and how did that develop? Kind of some luck, some 
fate, the thirst for continued learning. I actually met John Groves first, now the CEO of Fit for Work. And he had some clinics at the time and I was exploring options. And that's when I got introduced, like I said, to the model as he was becoming more active into it. And we really just kind of hit it off from there and had a lot of the similar passions, had a lot of the similar ideas. And one thing that really stuck out was the commitment to learning and getting better. John was a fellow in physical therapy, postdoctoral fellowship. And from there, I said, well, that's, you know, that's kind of the path I want to go. So it opened my eyes to that. He introduced me to some really important people and individuals that are on that same journey when you start looking, you know, with one of our sister companies with Evidence of Motion and John Childs and you have people like Andrew Bennett and Rob Weiner and many other just clinicians that I looked up to that were all part of this group of people making a difference. And I really wanted to be a part of that. And that's kind of how I made the jump and really got around some really good people that helped me along the way as far as mentorship, guidance, challenging me to be better. And that's really where it started and continued to grow as my journey continued on and as we grew as a company. And it really has been a fun direction. So we've touched a little bit on how you got into Fit for Work. Can you explain to us how you feel Fit for Work's early intervention ideals are a little bit different than other work programs out there? You know, the components of the program, I think we are leading edge for what we provide and what we're doing. The focus we have on continuing to learn and continuing to push the envelope a little bit and finding ways to prevent injuries. I think that's second to none for us. But really, when you peel back all the layers of the pain science and all the continuing education that we develop internally and the experts we have, like our certified professional ergonomists or our certified safety professionals that are kind of the pillar support for the entire organization, for our providers out in the field, when you really peel all of that back, why I think we're really different is the forward-thinking culture that we have. You know, everyone's always looking, they're researching, they're trialing ways to get better in all facets, not just looking for the flavor of the month or a specific, say, a technique or stretch or exercise for someone, but all the way down to how we communicate, how we communicate what words we choose and really realizing that words matter and words can either harm or they can heal. And we have that focus and that commitment to get better from the CEO all the way down to our newest person on board. And that culture is thriving and gets stronger and stronger as we continue to do really good things. So it's that kind of unrelentless pursuit to be curious, to learn more, and mirror that up with, like I said, all the pillars of support and a really focused effort on customer service and making sure we're doing everything we can for our clients and their employees. That is what makes us different than many others. And it's true. It's practiced daily. And it's not just something we say. It's truly in action. And we look at like our NPS, the surveys we get back, and they're off the charts. They're off the charts for what we get from the employees we engage with and, and their clients that we directly talk with. So it shows that we're making a difference, show that we're focused on the right things and truly help separate us from many other programs. That has been a huge thing for me ever since I've been with Fit for Work is that when we started off, I was really excited. And throughout that whole transition period from going from Grows Work Ready to Fit for Work, 
it was amazing to see that one thing never change. It was always the day-to-day actions might be changing, but your mindset is still the same of we're going forward and we're only doing things for the better. And these aren't changes just for change's sake, but they're changes for a purpose. And that's something that I've felt. So thank you for commenting on that. And also, if you had to be known as somebody, it sounds like you're more known as the numbers guy. Would you say that's correct? Or you really like to see the numbers behind our actions? Yeah, I would definitely say that is probably (laughs) something that I have the focus on. And what really intrigues me about numbers, I guess, and something that comes up a lot for me is you really can't change what you can't measure. So it's not my focus into numbers as in, hey, we have to hit these numbers or turn this three into one by Friday. That's not really what gets to me or why I like them so much, but they help tell a story. They help tell the why. You know, you can't necessarily manage or direct completely through numbers, but you have to appreciate them. You have to understand their values and look up from there and see, okay, what is the full picture? What's going on here? And as these values start to change, whether it's in a preferred direction or a a not preferred direction, Then digging in and understanding why. Why are they doing that? And how can we change the direction of them? Or how can we be more successful or change what we're doing to reproduce and continue on this good direction we're doing? That's what really intrigues me about numbers themselves is they can tell such a powerful story. And when you really dig into them and understand why and what's making them change and working from there to instill difference and working from there to continue what you're doing because you know exactly what you need to continue doing or understanding of why they're going in a non-preferred direction and what you have to do to change that and digging in and make the adjustments and see what happens. See if they change directions as you anticipate. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But it really just helps you or an individual see that big picture and understand the why behind them as well and and the why behind our decisions. Sometimes when we get focused on numbers, we lose sight of the true meaning behind them. And, you know, we've talked a lot about fit for work and we're out there for the people and trying to just make lives better for the employees while helping out our clients. How do you stay focused on our fit for work mission while looking at those numbers? You know, I think that's a great question and comes down to a cultural component and ensuring that we're all, as you mentioned, on the right mission and moving in the right direction. The numbers help tell a story, but we can't put necessarily our head down and manage only through numbers or make the numbers the backbone, I guess, or the the hard hitting facts when you can look up and see what the whole picture is understand that there's more to the story, understand that there are things that need to be appreciated that aren't just the numbers and understand that we're still people. We still like to be able to communicate. We still like to be able to problem solve. And we need to make sure that we have those transparent communications happening. And, you know, if things are moving in the direction that's not preferred, it's not necessarily uh, change the number because that's just what has to happen. But taking a different mindset and taking it from an approach of, you know, what can we learn from this? How can we learn as a group from this situation or this specific scenario? From there, then that really starts to feel that the numbers can help. They're empowering. They're in, make you appreciate the value that you're providing, makes you understand that you're making a difference because it can be a grind sometimes where you put your head down, you work real hard and you want to know, am I making a difference? Well, if we have some numbers that are leading indicators and you'll be able to refer those and go, yeah, I am making a difference. And having that mindset 
from that standpoint, it really starts to become a part of the program, a part of the conversations back and forth versus maybe the fear or different negative type of perception around numbers that they are everything and do your work to meet certain numbers or get to these specific values that really discount the personal interaction, discount the engagement that you can have, whether it's internally or with our clients, employees themselves. So that would be the big piece is looking at the big picture, understanding that the numbers are important, values need to be appreciated, but they can't be everything. We're still dealing with humans. We're still dealing with individuals that like to communicate and be back and forth and work together as a team. Yeah, it's kind of like bring numbers to the conversations, but don't hand it at the microphone. I like that. That's a really good analogy, Curtis. Wow. Sometimes I come up with a good one. So So I love how your perspective, though, and I think more of us at Fit for Work, you know, any employee of any industry, whether you're the safety manager, provider, or even an employee, if you let the numbers be the main factor in your life, you have lost control to them. And so I really like that perspective of letting them tell your story. And that makes a world of difference. So great paradigm shift on that. So with clients, you know, we can provide them with tons of numbers. There are so many things that we track. What do you think as first off with a new client, what numbers should they appreciate to tell the story for them that would help them? And then we also want to talk about a provider, but let's start first with the clients. So, you know, you have a safety manager, they're just starting off with Fit for Work. How would you present these numbers to them, say, hey, watch these things to help tell your story. What would you say is the most important for them? When it comes to it, as you mentioned, you can get all kinds of data, but does it make sense? Does it allow you to understand or anybody understand what's happening, what's underneath the surface? And do you truly understand what goes into the numbers? So things that we try to really look at, especially for starting up, say with a new client, is trying to make things as simple as possible. And make it actionable information that's easy to understand. So we can really bring it down to about three different numbers that if a client understands what goes into these and how they affect the health of their site, such as the prevention index, the interaction ratio and our prevention score, those compile a lot of different interactions, engagements, things that are happening within the four walls or within their industry. And if we really want them to understand those three things, that tells a huge story about the direction, the health of the location or the site. And what we're doing behind that, we can continue to communicate that, continue to show how those numbers are changing, what's going into them. But those three numbers, taking it and having the opportunity to do 50 or 60 or 70 different indicators or numbers, sure, that sounds good in theory. But at the end of the day, we're all busy. We're all moving very quickly. And if we can get it down to actual numbers that are simple, they mean something. Now we're all speaking kind of from the same sheet of music. We're all working towards the same goals because they're valid, they're reliable, meaning that they're going to get us to where we want to go. That is what makes the difference. So it's not about the volume necessarily or the number of different categories you can measure. It's more about, hey, let's make sure we have simple numbers that are easy to understand, they're easy to use, and they are actionable. You can make decisions off of them that are going to change the outcome from what you want to achieve. Sorry for the interruption. A quick break here to ask you a question. 
As a business, do you need help getting ahead of injuries instead of always cleaning up after them? We at Fit for Work can partner with you to systematically prevent injuries before they even happen. With over 750 sites and 20 years of experience, we have helped countless companies of all shapes and sizes do exactly that. There are four ways that we can help you. On-site early intervention, industrial ergonomics, employee testing, and safety compliance. Go to our website, www.wellworkforce.com, and click on the Connect With Us button to learn more. Back to our interview. So we've kind of talked about the numbers and then, you know, just given this, they tell a story and things like that. What are some numbers that you give out to potential new clients to say, this is what we've done. You know, Fit for Work has been around for 20 plus years. We are in over 40 different states, a lot of different industries. Here are the numbers of what we have done and what we can actually do for you. I always really lean back to our prevention index. And what that is, if you peel away all the layers, and there's obviously a lot of different inputs that go into that to give you one standardized number, but it really provides the real-time feedback on the health of the site. And it's really looking at the proactive work, the things, the engagements that are preventative, working with employees that have zero symptoms, they're not injured, they're doing their daily task. Comparative to the reactionary, how many type of symptoms are being assessed? What type of symptoms are they? What body part? What positions are they? And we start to see a picture then on this number to show the efforts on a proactive manner. And, you know, to make a change, to be able to change behaviors or reduce the number of employees that have the symptoms or on that edge or that threshold to an injury, you really have to be proactive. You have to have a lot of activity and a lot of focus on the behaviors, the ergonomics of the different positions and the different individuals. If you can do that, if you can make that difference and track it over time, you can start to see how the trend changes, how the approach on the proactive piece prevents injuries. And we can mirror that up then and status check it and make sure if we're on the same track and we're moving in the right direction. But taking an entire facility or an entire organization even and breaking it down into one number, the prevention index, that's really powerful. And we've been able to show it's reliable and valid almost in every industry from locations with five employees all the way up to locations with 1,500 plus, breaking it down into that, that's powerful, that's actionable. And that allows an entire group to say, yeah, we're on the right track. We maybe hit a rough patch or maybe something's changed recently, but we're on the right track. Let's continue what we're doing because we're going to get change. So I'd say that would be the number one number that we look at coming in and seeing how we're working together as a group. And that's that prevention index, which is a real-time feedback of the health of a site. And it kind of comes down to the proactive nature of the activities to the reactive type of nature of activities happening. That whole mindset of let's try to track the proactive. I mean, that itself is a mind-blowing ideal that is... I don't think currently emphasized enough in our current healthcare system. I mean, the whole current healthcare system is how are we doing at fixing people afterwards, but this is how are we at taking care of things beforehand of working with employees before they've even had an issue. So that is just such a powerful shift in and of itself with the current healthcare system. So is that the similar type of number that you would say 
that a fit for work employee should be using or what things should they focus on to help them as we input interactions, as we do those things. How can somebody who's starting off or been here for five years, whatever, use the information available to them to become a better provider to those that are on site? I think that you're right on, Curtis, the the prevention index and using numbers, obviously understanding what goes into them and what they truly mean and tracking them over time and starting to look at the big picture of what's happening at the location. If the number starts changing, whether it's back to good or bad, whatever the context is, have the ability or the awareness to ask why. Why is this happening? You know, if we start seeing an uptick, you know, that index going in the direction that we don't want it to go into, okay, what could be driving that? Is it tremendous amount of increase in overtime? Has there been a new line that just started? Are there other factors at play that we need to start to address and start to look at? From there, now you can start developing strategies to implement. You don't necessarily need a shotgun approach and say, oh, this number is changing. Let's do everything under the sin and see what happens. No, take the awareness and make the best possible decision to make a difference, to change the direction of that number. And by having that focused approach, having the awareness to select what is probably the underlying cause of that change, that's where you can really make the difference. That's how you can make the most focused change occur. And we know within any industry, the business continues to evolve, markets change, strategic business decisions are changed and made all the time at our clients. So things, it would be unrealistic to think that injuries aren't necessarily going to, or the reactive piece aren't going to change the reactive engagements. So how can we evolve with that client? How can we evolve with that single location? And that preventive index really helps us be on the leading edge of that because if that starts to go in a direction that's non-preferred, you can be pretty confident that down the road in three to six months, you're going to have more recordables. You're going to have more injuries if you don't change what you're doing, if you don't get the direction of that number going in the direction that you want. So take it, be aware of it. Understand that if it starts to adjust, think then, where can you focus in? What can you do different? Because we don't want to just do the same thing over and over and over and, and hope for a different outcome if it's moving in a direction we don't want it to go. Yeah, that's definitely definitely good advice, especially uh, coming from someone that's fairly new and only have about six months under my belt. So keeping an eye on that prevention index is a good key. I remember back being a young PT and getting into the industry and, you know, I was loaded up with tons of special tests. I was loaded up with tons of exercise or treatment plans. You know, I thought I had it all and someone would come in with say a shoulder pain or something and you start from the top and you do every single shoulder test. And then you all of a sudden you say, I know what I'm going to provide to you. And here's your exercise plan. This is the manual therapy I'm going to provide to you and a shotgun approach. And you hope it worked. Over the course of learning and additional focus and some of my mentors working with me saying, okay, that's great, but how do you know what worked? Sure, you can use evidence. You can make the best decisions to give you the highest probability of success or outcomes that's preferred. But hey, let's make sure we have a very clear baseline, understand what we're working with here, get to a point that we can make a treatment decision or get to a point that we can make uh, 
educated guess, so to speak, on what we should try next for a treatment or what we should try to make this individual improve, do it. Now compare it back to your baseline. What happened? What was the change? Did it go in the right direction? If it did, great, do more of it. If it didn't, okay, probably should try something else or make the next decision down the line. That's kind of where you know the philosophy comes from is really digging down and making sure you can truly measure and apply some type of intervention or apply some type of new strategy. And if you can't compare it or you can't look back and determine, did the change happen, positive or negatively, well, you need to reassess, get the benchmark set again and be able to understand that really clearly. And you can start to be more efficient. You can start to be more effective and it gets to be a lot more fun versus kind of the hope and prayer shotgun approach and thinking it should work and coming down to realization, you know, weeks or months down the line that, boy, that just did not work. Yeah, definitely. And would you say that's kind of why we go about doing our quarterly and year-end reports so we can take a look and see what had worked or what didn't work that year and go in and move a different direction or continuing plodding on opposed to the shotgun approach? Yeah, you know, it definitely is a component and helpful. And, you know, there's a lot of stakeholders, a lot of stakeholders at locations that we're providing services. On our side, we have a lot of stakeholders that are invested from our on-site injury professionals that are there daily, our managers, our regional directors, our pillars of support, and our different drawers. And then obviously the client side, they may have multiple people that are invested into the services, invested in their safety journey. And the reporting structure that we have set up is obviously for that. So we can all be very clear in the direction that we're moving, communicate in digestible chunks. So it's not this 30 or 40 page report that's heavily narrative written and takes forever to read because everybody has a lot of things going on. But no, it's very succinct, provides a good clarity of where we're at, what occurred and what direction are we moving together as a group. And when we have all those same expectations as a group, as we can very clearly understand who's responsible for what, we get more success and it is more efficient, more effective, and we have the highest probability of success. So that's where that reporting structure just comes in is to be so transparent, to be so easy to work with, and just make sure we're all working together as a team, whether it's internally fit for work or externally with our clients and their stakeholders that they have. I think it can be a fear of a lot of people to think whenever approaching something like trying to do safety and how do you track it and how do you know you're making a meaningful difference and to know that we have that experience, we've been there, we know how to present this information in a way that they can digest, that this isn't just information for fluff's sake, but it all has a purpose, it all has a meaning. You know, looking at some of the reports I've had to send to some of these clients, whether they were only a 50 people at the business or 800, you get a quarterly report that's about six pages and the first page is the title page. So that's pretty good <laughs> to know that <laughs> things are very clear and provide you with that information and not going to drown you in it. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's so key, Curtis, is you can have the world's best report, make it look really pretty and have all kinds of really good data or information in it. But if no one's going to look at it, no one's going to read it because it's too complex or they don't have the time or it just looks overwhelming, well, it turns into a really good coaster then or something that sits on a bookshelf that collects dust. <laughs> right. Well, that doesn't help anybody. So let's make it usable. Let's make it something that anybody, no matter how busy they are, can digest it, get something out of it that's important to them. 
boy, that can be pretty powerful. And that's the approach we do with our communication, our reporting is really make it usable, digestible, easy to implement so we can make some change together. So how is this work and your area of expertise that you've developed in, how would you say this has affected you personally in your personal life? In my personal life, there's a few different ways to look at it. You know, at the blending of personal and work, they are pretty close together. Within Fit for Work and where I work, you know, the constant culture of helping others, the constant culture of trying to strive to get better, continue to learn and do the biggest things you can to make an impact, to make sure that you're helping others. That's probably what carried over the most into my personal life. And part of that is the people that I work with around Fit for Work, the cultural caring, the empathy and the team type of effort and, you know, the things that we have, the time that I personally spent with, you know, like our executive coach and Rob Weiner and our chief culture officer, Daphne Scott, have really helped me be more consciously aware of why I do what I do, why I make some of the decisions that I do make. And when mirroring that up with, say, numbers or mirroring it up with a logical thought process of making sure what we're doing has the best interest, making sure that what we do is measured in some approach of trying to get the outcome that we're trying to get to, really has been this nice blend to be able to be effective without overbearing, to be able to make a change without coming off as an authoritative type figure. Because, you know, when I'm at home, I'm dad or I'm a husband and I can't necessarily be a taskmaster focused on the numbers or someone that's uh, being the dictator of, of the household or the group. <laughs> Five-year-olds don't respond to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a blend of it all of the cultural component, the conscious leadership, the people around to keep us grounded to keep us having that compassion, empathetic approach mirrored up with that strive to get better and strive to improve in other areas. And I hope to pass that along to my children and realizing that, you know what, there's a lot of things you can learn in life. And if things don't go your way, don't dwell on it necessarily, but think about, hey, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this situation? And how can I make a different input to hopefully get a different output? and consciously be aware of why you make your decisions that you make. Have that awareness. And whether it's the right decision or not, you know, that's kind of secondary sometimes. Just understanding why you did that or why you made that decision, that can be really powerful and enlightening. And you can start to actually have the power of choice to choose what decisions you want to make and have the awareness of that to hopefully allow you to make the right decision, allow you to be consciously aware of those types of things. So, a real blend, a blend of not only the focus on improvement, but also the unique opportunities of being consciously aware and the additional focus and the culture that Fit for Work brings really mirrors up to a personal type of impact for me outside of Fit for Work. That's great to hear. And that's what I love too, is a lot of things from Fit for Work have definitely crossed over into my personal life because I feel like other places I've worked, I'm there at the job site. I do my job and I go home, but there are so many extra benefits and mindset encouragements that come through Fit for Work, whether it is the lifelong learning or self-reflection. And that's been such a unique thing for me because, I don't know, you may not know this, but this is the longest I've ever had a job in my life, <laughs> which has been five years. And I don't know if that's about saying who I've worked for or me personally, 
But I have really appreciated that the encouragement of don't just be satisfied with yourself and here's opportunities. And that type of mindset gets contagious from us as the providers and then those that we work with. And knowing that we shouldn't just be focused on this temporary state that we're at, because that's not encouraging enough. I remember one of my professors in college would always tell us, if you don't know your why, you're wasting your time. And he's like, I don't care what your why is. It could be a pretty lame why, but at least I'm going to ask you why you're taping that way. Why are you going this direction? Why are you doing that eval? And if you don't know your why, you're wasting your time. And so I really like that focus and that mindset. So if you could have, you know, take that time machine, what do you wish Kyle Malam knew 15 years ago that would have helped you today? Oh, man, there could go a lot of different directions with that. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think, you know, obviously we can look back and say, boy, it would have been nice to know that. But also I kind of think about it, boy, I learned a lot along the journey and made some mistakes, definitely made mistakes or made decisions that I look back now and go, why in the heck did I do that? That's just ridiculous. It's good to know it's not just me. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm sure we all have those. There's hope for us. (laughs) (laughs) But we learned, you know, we'll learn. And if I learn from that and have that conscious ability to, you know, without distortion and truly have the mindset of being open and committed to learning on it, okay, that made me into who I am today. And I can tell you pretty confidently, you know, I'm much better friend recently. Uh, throughout all those learnings, I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. And it's the learning along the way, the poor decisions along the way that probably helped get to that point because of the mindset, the mindset of being curious, taking it and having some self-reflection behind that to get there. So I could choose a lot of different things and going back and saying, wow, I wish I would have known that. I would have been better off. But I just think there'd be way too many of those types of things to be able to pick. But more up, just say, continue to be open, continue to have that self-reflection currently. And that just gets us all to be a better person, more confident, allows us to live the life that we want to be able to live and, and do something with a clear head, clear mind. And others around us that engage with us can feel that and can live off that as well. And it's just a more harmonious group and more of a harmonious type of interactions that do occur. So a way to kind of dodge your question just a little bit. I love it. That was good. That was good. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I think I got there. And, you know, one thing I'd like to add into that, Curtis, was you mentioned about the mindset, the blurred lines then with a work life and a home life. You know, that's key. We can't just turn on the work commitment at work and turn it off and go home. In today's day and age, there has to be some harmony in between the work life, the personal life. And when you start talking about like mindset and being open, being curious, asking questions, that's definitely something that can't be just at work or just be at home. They have to blend together. And at Fit for Work, obviously, that's a very big piece of our culture and what we're striving for for everybody. So we really like to be able to live it ourselves, but then also help provide resources or experiences. So it's not a necessarily go learn on your own. Good luck. More of, hey, we're here to help you along this journey of being open, being curious. And here are some good resources, whether it's our chief cultural officer, our executive coaching. We have things like the Fifth Work Emerging Leaders Program. We have the Key Leaders Program. All these different resources to help one on their journey 
to success, whatever that may be for each individual. And it comes around the mindset, comes around a shared commitment to being open, to being curious, committed to learning and helping each other out. So it's not only just the mindset at work, it carries into personal lives. And at Fit for Work, we really want to help foster that, encourage that, empower that by providing some resources along that journey. And that's been the fantastic difference. I've appreciated that so much. I know my time when I met with Daphne for a one-on-one conversation, it was a very powerful experience for me to realize there are so many things I could be doing and that my current mindset was pretty stagnant. So I appreciate that. And I do agree with the opportunities are there if we're willing to put in that extra effort. And if you're not, I mean, it's bring your personality and let that grow. Bring your passions and let that grow. And people can see that. And I think that's a part of job satisfaction that people understand and can appreciate. I mean, we could spend so much more time talking with you. And you've also given us a lot of great people that we look forward to bringing on the podcast later on. Any final questions from you, Amber? I was thinking the same thing. We could probably talk to Kyle for a whole nother hour, but we'll we'll save that for another day. If you'll have us again, Kyle. Yes, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to come on and chat anytime. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure and we will be talking with you again some other time. Thanks guys. Well, Curtis, you were right. That's totally worth it. Kyle had some great insights on how we can use numbers to guide us while we're helping people on site. And how to just be a good person. I think he did that too. Yes, (laughs) definitely. It was a great time. And for being our second podcast, I think that, and I hope that the audience is still intrigued because we have got a lot more great guests coming. And that's what's so wonderful is that every person that we talk to, not only do we learn more from them, but we learn how There are so many people that are changing their mindset to have this prevention model and not just be, oh, let's keep, where's the body bags of the next injury and the next injury? There's things (laughs) we can do. And I I just loved his insights on that, of looking forward and not backwards with with how we can take care of others. Definitely. So stay tuned for more of our podcasts coming out on injury prevention in the workplace. And for now, thank you for listening to our interview with Kyle Malam. Thank you again. It's wonderful. And I just want to thank you as the listener for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast. We are bringing the power of prevention to you. So please visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us podcast at wellworkforce.com with any questions or comments. We love to read them. And remember, prevention improves lives. 